Well, good morning, Calvary. Glad to have you back today under some unusual circumstances once again. Um, we're continuing on with the series in Philippians as we're leading up to Easter, and we're going to have those great verses in Philippians chapter 2 for Easter in a few weeks. And as we're doing that, I want to catch you up in case you weren't here. We're picking up the story of Philippians last week where Paul is in prison, and he's writing to the Philippians saying he wants to encourage them. And he starts with this wonderful prayer, which is so appropriate in a world of uncertainty. And so last week we talked about the daily training application and the way that we can have certainty, the way we can rest our affections and our emotions in Christ is to understand that Christ is the same and God is the same. So the daily training last week was don't be defined by what you are feeling, but who you are in Christ. So remind yourselves the following, God is in control. The Father loved me unconditionally. My future is secure and I am not alone. The body of Christ is with me and so is God. The Holy Spirit is available to guide me to the peace of God, and I'm called to maintain a kingdom perspective. As Paul transitions into the next section, it's the kingdom perspective which really kind of comes out. It only comes by resting in God. And kingdom perspective is kind of an ironic place for us to be right now with all that's going on. In the world of isolation and confinement, how are we to have a, a kingdom perspective? But Paul uses this moment in the book of Philippians to address his imprisonment his imprisonment, and to share how to have a kingdom perspective despite your circumstances. So in Philippians 1.12, he says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. He's going to say, whatever circumstances I'm in, I'm going to glorify God. Now around here at Calvary, we talk a lot about going green spiritually, and I know it's going green. We talk about the Calvary green, and there's a lot of jokes there, but the idea of going green spiritually is really the idea of when you go through the difficult moments of your life, the temptation for Christians is to bury them into a spiritual landfill and hope no one finds out about them. But rather, as Christians, we are called to go through the difficult moments, and instead of just putting them in a spiritual landfill, we're recycling them and allowing them to use them for the glory of God. So in other words, once you've walked through a divorce, those who've walked through a divorce or a death or whatever the situation may be, rather than ignoring that, giving that over to God and allowing him to use those difficult bruises and the bumps of our life to help other people draw closer to him. That's how you have a kingdom perspective through things that you go through there in the past. But in Philippians, we find Paul in a very different situation. You can't recycle something that you're not done with. And so he's in the middle of the trials and in the middle of the circumstances, challenging us to have a kingdom perspective through the trials and the circumstances we are going through now. So how do we do that? How do we really live for God in the midst of difficult days? I think that goes back to one of the challenges of the six things that we read earlier, where we realize that I am not alone. The body of Christ is with me and so is God. Do you live in such a way that God is with you in every situation and every circumstance? Pause just for a moment. Think about this last week. Some of you have brand new appreciations for your teachers, as one of them is sitting right here. <laughs> Some of you have, a two of them are sitting right here. Some of them have a brand new understandings of, of what it looks like to have our priorities right. But this last week, 
as you were adjusting the way you viewed the world, did you allow the circumstances that you were going through to allow your mind to drift to God, to his kingdom? Or did you really kind of look at it from your worldview of how this affects me? I think it's pretty normal to sit there and think how this affects me. Am I going to lose my job? What's going down the road? What does three months look? But the reality of what we're going through is we don't know what three months from now looks like. We're pre-recording this message because we wanted to honor the governor's words. Um, so we're, uh, his uh, decree, whatever you want to call it, I'm not sure. This is on a fly. Go with it. But as we're walking through these, we're pre-recording this. And as we're pre-recording this, I don't even know what Sunday is going to look. By the time you're watching this, everything could have changed two more times, three more times, a dozen more times. Are we okay with that? Paul's looking out and he's going, I don't know what the future has, but I know I'm going to live now for Christ. I know that is going to happen. So he, he goes back and in the, in the verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. And in verse 13, he describes how he's loving on and witnessing to the imperial guard. The people who are watching him. And he knew that the imperial guard would have to be uh, going through shift changes and, and they were going to be in contact. And you may not be in contact with very many people. Paul wasn't at this time. He was used to traveling around the world trying to have dramatic influences to large crowds. But at this moment, it turned into a one-on-one. -on -one. And maybe that's where you need to look right now. How can you use what God is showing you right now in a one-on-one -on -one basis through a FaceTime, through an email, through a text, through a shouting at your neighbor from 5 p.m. wave across the street? Hey, neighbor! How are you using the moment to deeply impact your family, your roommate, the person that you know needs a personal contact? You may not be able to be in many people's lives, but all of us can be in somebody's life, even in isolation because of the beauty of the internet. Now, how do I know that everybody watching this is able to have access to the internet? You're watching this on the internet. So if you have access to watch this right now, you have the access to be in somebody's lives and to be intentional about what is going on and helping people to see God is using you. So God is faithful to use your example to those that do not know about him. Who are you doing that with? Just like Paul did with the Imperial Guard. The second group that people that you are going to influence is God is faithful to use your example to encourage other believers. Verse 14 says this, Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. I love it. Have you ever realized that a lot of times we don't share our faith because we are worried about how it's going to fall on us? But in times like these, when we really learn to not make life about us, it actually should embolden us. It actually should propel us to realize, well, am I going to lose my job? May I do that anyways? Let me share my faith with my coworkers. Am I going to, is this going to happen? Is this, well, if I die, do I want to share my, you know, not that that's going to happen. But as we're really trying to look to the bigger perspective, it kind of emboldens us to realize if our world gets turned upside down, the one constant is Christ. And so, Paul, through his time of imprisonment, is kind of looking at the others going, hey, this is not the time to retreat into your world. It's a time to be pushed outside of the world. And so other people really started sharing their stories and, and lives began to change. And through 
Paul's imprisonment and through his witnessing to the jailers, it emboldened the other people in Philippi who were also believers to hear the story of what God is doing. Now, here's what I would challenge you this week. Not only look for those who can reach out that don't know Christ, how you can reach out to that don't know Christ, but be emboldened to share the story of how God is moving through other believers. Notice that I didn't say share the story of how God is awesome because of what you're doing. But I think it's encouraging to hear. Do you know that the Zoom platform has been closed in some countries overseas because the government hasn't wanted the people to know about Christ? But because of this coronavirus going around the world, the government in many of those countries has allowed Zoom access. We even have people in our very church who are using that to reach countries unknown to share the gospel in a time like this. That's encouraging. And it also lifts our spirits in a time. So share the stories, but don't make it about you. But does that mean everybody's going to share like we want to? Are some people going to make it about themselves? Yes. So what does Paul do? He addresses that too. Isn't the Bible great? Here's what it says, verse 15. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed to the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. At the time of the church of Philippi, there were some who said they followed Christ and they didn't agree theologically with Paul. And in fact, the commentary, one commentary I said, it was really kind of ironic is there was two groups of people, one group of people that thought Paul was, quote, too liberal, and one people that, one group that thought Paul, quote, was Paul, quote, too fundamentalist. I didn't say that very accurately, so let me say it again. There were two groups of people, and one group thought Paul was, quote, too liberal, and one group thought Paul was too fundamentalist. And the people who thought that Paul was too liberal were saying, you're only concerned about wait for it, social justice issues, right? And he was like, no, I, I care about people. And the other group of people, they're like, you only care about doctrine. And he was like, no, I, I care about the gospel, the good news of Jesus changing lives. And so he's like, I'm not going to worry about those other things. And how does this translate into our world today? Well, don't get caught up in those things. But here's another thing that I want to just be honest from a pastor's perspective. The world is changing so quickly, and pastors are trying to stay ahead of it. One of the things that's happened over the last few weeks is, as we've tried to get this site up, as we've tried to get our live stream up, because we are having a different time of 1020, and we've been having the time of 1020, it's caused servers to crash. Why? Because a few weeks ago, only one-fourth of all the churches, give or take, I don't actually know the number, but around that, let's go with that number, have, have, we're live streaming. Well, now all these other churches are trying to live stream. So guess what's happening? It's causing servers to crash. And I hear a lot of other pastors going, we need to actually start our service at 9.59 to make sure that our service gets heard. We're not going to worry about those other churches. And guess what? I've even said that myself. Shh, I shouldn't have, but I did. And the reality is that's the wrong perspective. Praise God that the servers have crashed because so many people are trying to get the gospel out. Amen? 
And as we look about this, we also start looking at creative examples. And, and, and some churches are doing like super creative things like radio shows in their cars. And, and you're sitting there going, why didn't I think of that? Or we can think about it. And then some people are concerned that they're, about their flocks and not the well-beings of others. Some people are concerned that churches are getting too creative, that are watering down the gospel. And, and others are, are just gathering, quite honestly, because they're scared they won't be able to pay their bills. My job, as Paul says, is not to worry about why people and how people are proclaiming the gospel, but to praise that the gospel is going out. So whether they do it in this way in a living room set, or whether it's a pastor who's never been on Facebook before who suddenly downloaded a Facebook thing and is trying to figure this out and asking, is this thing on? Is this thing on? I don't know if any of you are hearing me, and he's preaching the gospel. Or whether or not that pastor has gotten on TikTok and is trying to preach a sermon through that method, praise be to God that the message is going out. And that's what's encouraged me. The church shouldn't be arguing over those things. And Paul even says that, verse 18, what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. He would have written those words, shackled in a prison, cold and damp, and not getting much food. What does it matter? Only that in every way, from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And if Christ is proclaimed, I'm going to rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So as we understand that our churches are way bigger than the buildings or the local congregations, as we start seeing and sensing that there's some people now, instead of watching one services, are watching four or five, praise God. As we hear people who are wrestling with their faith I sit there and I go, let's take an opportunity to realize that we may feel like hardship has come upon us and we can feel sad and despondent. No. We can recognize it's a serious and, and important situation. And yes, there may be of tragedies that have happened since the time this is recorded till the time this has even gone out. But it doesn't mean that we are paralyzed in fear because even if we die, we live for Christ, and our eternity is secure. Remember those statements? My future is security, is secure. So let's check our motives. Am I doing things with the kingdom perspective? If not, why not? If you're gathered in your living room, maybe you even want to pause right now because this is pre-recorded. If you're watching on Facebook Live, finish it, then watch it later, and then have this discussion. But in your living room with just your family, if you're doing this on Google Chat with some other small groups or something, and you're watching this together, whatever that may look like, pause for just a moment and ask yourself, what are our motives for the way we're living right now? How can we, and whoever's watching this together, discuss, how can we do this from a kingdom perspective? And if we're not, what's stopping us from having a kingdom perspective? Then Paul, pause right there. And now unpause. And then Paul says this in verse 20. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by my life or by my death. You see, Paul couldn't tell the people in Philippi whether or not he was going to be executed. 
He couldn't tell them whether or not he was going to be alive in 24 hours or be able to join with them and sing praise songs once again. But he said this, with eager expectation and hope, I'm not going to be ashamed about the gospel. So how do we really know we're doing the kingdom perspective right? Well, followers share what they know and they do it boldly. So be bold in living out your faith while in isolation. Not for ourselves, not bringing glory to look what I'm doing, but for the kingdom of God. So here's our daily training for this week. I want you to be creatively bold for the kingdom of God. This week, maybe even once a day, as a house, there's a whole bunch of ways you can do it. The wonderful thing about the web is, you know, if another church is doing it and the church is of God, they're going to say, do it, right? Like, this isn't our idea. Don't feel our idea. Look on Pinterest. Look on Google. Creative ways to reach your neighbor while in isolation. Don't do everything, but ask yourself, what is the right motive and how can I glorify God? Send letters to the widows. Send uh, pictures to grandparents. Uh, teach your kids to write messages to the neighbors through dry erase markers on your windows. And when you ride in your car and you're going out in your community, ride in a car with a, what do you call that, glass chalk. I don't know what it's called. Make sure that's erasable because I don't want anyone getting mad at me. But it, right, like God is still in control or God loves you or just a big smiley face in your back window. And, and it brings some light and encouragement to our world that so desperately needs it because God is still on his throne. And so we're going to worship him. Guys, I, I eagerly wait for the day when we can gather again soon. I wish it was today. It's not. It's not going to probably be next week. It very well may not even be Easter. But it doesn't stop the fact that the tomb is empty and our God is alive. So church, let's keep being the church. Let's keep living for him. Let's keep shining for him and doing whatever God asks us to do in some creative ways to be bold about our faith in a time when the world so desperately needs it. Let me close this in prayer. God, I thank you for this time. And I ask that you would be with us Help us to know what it looks like to live for you. We pray for those who are really struggling. And maybe today, God, somebody is watching this from a hospital bed. Would you give them strength? For our nurses and doctors who are doing and working so tirelessly, for those who are restocking grocery shelves and the pharmacists, we pray for protection and safety. For those of us who are caught up in our homes and really don't know what it looks like, for those who have uncertainty about our future, may your presence be felt and may we trust in you. And God, help us to look up to the cross. Help us to follow you. In your name we pray, amen. As we close this, let me encourage you, you can go to yourcalvary.info slash follow if you want to follow up with any more information. Now let's continue in a time of worship.